Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. Our theme for the year, Reaching Forward, is on the screen behind me. And we're certainly glad that you're here to worship God this morning. Several have been on vacation and have returned. We've got groups that have been to camp and have returned. And we have visitors with us this morning. We welcome all of you. If you're joining us on social media, we thank you for joining us. We'd like to get a record of everyone who are present today. There's a friendship register on each pew. We'd ask that you sign that and pass it down for others to sign. I hope you've picked up your worship bulletin this morning. The only change in the worship bulletin of those that are going to be leading us in worship is that Michael Dooley will have the announcements and closing prayer. Everything else is as printed. Would you bow with me as we begin our worship today? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can assemble today to worship Thee. We pray that all that we do would be pleasing in Your sight. We're thankful, Father, for your many blessings. We're thankful for the opportunity to serve, and we're thankful for the opportunity to worship you. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> Our first song this morning will be Blessed Assurance. <clears throat> Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, the foretaste of glory divine. There's salvation, purchase of God. Born of the Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my soul.
Next song will be highest clips. God, our Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful to you for all the blessings you send us every day. We're especially thankful today upon the first day of the week that we have this opportunity to come together to worship you. We pray, Father, that our worship will be acceptable in your sight. We're thankful, Father, for everyone here, especially those that are visiting, those that are listening through other mediums. We pray, Father, that they will be encouraged by the things that they hear today and that they will consider the things they hear in light of their relationship with you, and if changes need to be made, they would be made today. We're thankful, Father, for the church here at Boonville. We continue to pray for our elders as they make decisions from time to time, that the decisions that they make would cause your word to be spread throughout all this area and throughout the world. We are thankful, Father, for all those that teach in various uh, age groups. We're thankful.
thankful that they are so willing to spend their time and effort in studying and teaching our young people. We are so thankful for the young people that we have here and for the abilities that they, a lot of them already have and those that are developing abilities that will help the church today and throughout the future, even after we're gone. So, Father, please be with all those that are encouraging and instructing our, our young people. We pray, Father, now that you would be with Ken as he comes to break the bread of life unto us. We pray that he might have a good recollection of those things that he's prepared to say and that you would give him the courage and strength to say them in, in such a way that would move all of us. We are also mindful, Father, of those that are sick and having difficulties in life. We pray you would be with those for a number that are sick and those that are, we're acquainted with that are having difficulties. We pray that uh, you would restore them back to their normal health if it be your will. Go with us now as we continue in this worship service. We pray as we leave later on that you would be with us, that you would help us to live our lives better than we in the future than we have in the past. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Next song will be Surround Us, Lord. <clears throat> As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his
invitation song after the lesson will be coming to me. <clears throat> Before the lesson, we'll sing It Is Well. Uh, if you'd like, you may stand as we sing this song together.
morning. If you will turn your Bibles or your devices to the first chapter of Timothy, of First Timothy, we'll begin reading in verse 12 through 16. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. <clears throat> I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he has considered me faithful, appointed me to the ministry. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might dem demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for their for eternal life. Thanks, Chris. Good morning, everyone. It's terrific to see you today. We've had an extraordinary week here. Chris, who just read our scripture for us, I'm sure their family is rejoicing in that their son Andrew was baptized into Christ while he was at camp this week. And that's, that's exciting. In addition to three others that we uh, saw baptized this week. So it is an epidemic. And if you're not a Christian, I hope you caught it. And today's the day that it manifests itself in a powerful way. We just keep stirring these waters to see people born to new life again. And I love the song that we just finished singing, but the sentiment is our question today. I want to know, is it well with you? Is it good? Are you okay? Because if you are not, then today can be the day that things change for you drastically. And I can assure you that the tenor of my sermon today will be right along those lines with also the opportunity for you to respond if you need to. Oftentimes I'm given notes and I want to begin the service with some of these things because I think they're pertinent to our church life together as a family. A couple of these have to do with illnesses and then a little special note here at the end. So Chopper Taylor, who's not been well for quite a while, uh, he was feeling unwell for several days. So Brenda took him to the ER in Corinth late yesterday. The doctor there saw something suspicious on a scan, immediately transferred him by ambulance about 1.30 this morning to North Alabama Medical Center in Florence, Alabama. So we want to pray that the doctors diagnose his problem exactly and that he can get treatment for it. And also over this weekend, Jeremy Owens, who we've been praying for for some time, he had a stage three brain tumor. That began to bleed and he eventually had surgery. They took out most of the tumor but couldn't get all of it. But this is Rita Panel's son. We want to continue praying for him and we'll 
be praying for him and Chopper in just a moment. And then Peggy, uh, Peggy wrote and gave me this note, and it's from John and from Peggy. I'm going to read John's note to begin with, who, by the way, is with us today. So we rejoice that he is well and able to come be a part of our assembly today. He says, I've been diagnosed with Parkinson's and asked for prayers as I begin this journey and asked for forgiveness if I've said or done things to offend others. So today, John comes in the wake of his diagnosis and he's been ill for some time, unsure exactly what was happening to him, but today he's facing that and realizing maybe even under the guise of this illness, he's offended you in some way and he wants to make things right. And we are a forgiving people, isn't that true? Because we just love being forgiven by God, don't we? And so in response to the graciousness of God on our behalf, we certainly accept this from John. We'll be praying for his improvement physically. And of course, we'll be praying in God's presence with regard to his forgiveness. And then this is from Peggy. She said, I asked for prayers of the church to give me more patience and understanding and forgiveness if I've offended anyone. I asked for prayers to give me strength as my family begins this journey. Well, I would say the same for Peggy as I said for John. Uh, they are tied together not only in the diagnosis of the Parkinson's and what may come of that and treatment and all of that, but that had to be very frustrating as much for John as it was also for Peggy in the uncertainty. And when these things happen to us, our stress level goes way up here. And maybe it is that she offended you or was short with you or, or whatever it was. Today, as she comes seeking forgiveness, wouldn't you forgive her? Yes, yes, yes. So John and Peggy, we're, we're so glad that you're here today and we're gonna be praying for them along with these others. And we'll also be praying for us today as we think about what it is to be the chief of sinners. Let's bow together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for what today means for every Christian. Assembling on the first day of the week, remembering the death of our Savior, and all of the powerful things that are drawn out of that alone. We also rejoice that as we're assembled, we have great fellowship with one another. We we're able to sing these powerful songs as vehicles, expression of our emotions. We thank you for the prayers that have already been led. We thank you, Father, that we can now spend time in a study of your word. We thank you that we can partake of the Lord's Supper and give of our means to fully participate in the function of this body. We thank you, Father, as a family, that with one, when one rejoices, we all rejoice together. And so we rejoice in the baptisms that have been a part of this fellowship this week. And 
just to know that, that these folks have made a commitment serving you like we have. So we rejoice with them. We rejoice internally being reminded of our own salvation. And we also weep with those who weep. When people of our congregation struggle against health and other matters, we feel their pain and we want to lift them up today. Uh, we're thinking especially about John and his diagnosis and we pray that as a name has been given to it that it can be treated. We pray for uh, Jeremy Owens in his recovery and we pray that his surgery is successful and bless his mother as she is in vigil by his side. We pray for Chopper that whatever the concern is we pray it's properly diagnosed and that there is a treatment that will promote healing in his body. But all of these functions of healing we place in your hands and we give you glory for any improvements and we also accept your will in regard to these things. And Father, we come to you as you have already put the sin behind John and Peggy as they've confessed these things. And Lord, we all, to one degree or another, know the stress of illness and the complications that come from that. And sometimes it's just emotional and the stress is overwhelming and maybe we don't behave as we should or we react in ways that we normally would not. But whatever, whatever is foundational with regard to these requests, uh, they come before us wanting to set those things straight. And so, Father, I pray that we will be as forgiving as you are forgiving, that we will forgive you or we will forgive them in the manner in which we want to be forgiven by you. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for fellowship. That's the result of that forgiveness. And we pray, Lord, that all those things in our relationship with the Rotans would be restored too. And thank you for the blessing of their presence today. Pray, Lord, that you will be with us now as we're studying your word. And, Lord, I pray you'll help me to say exactly what I intended to say in the way that I intended to say it. But, Lord, I pray you'll take that message and, and make it powerful in your own right, just because the words that you have spoken. And I pray for those who hear these words that they'll take them in the fashion that is most applicable to their life. Help us, Father, to strive to be in your grace and to enjoy the forgiveness of sins because of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering 
as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. At the very heart of this passage of Scripture is verse 15. He says that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he adds this commentary about himself, of whom I'm the chief. I place myself at the number one position and so grateful that he came to save people like me. That's the idea. Paul lifts himself up as an example to anyone who would listen of what the grace of God can do in the life of a sinner. I guess it's important to just be real right here for a moment. And that is just as much as God could, by His grace, make possible the salvation of someone like Paul, so He can do the very same with any one of us. Any one of us. In Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Right there we are. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. I guess the reality check isn't just that I could be saved too, but that my sin and your sin before Jesus, not compared to anybody else, but just myself before the Lord Jesus who came to save me, that in effect, as I stand before him, I am just like Paul. In effect, the chief of sinners. I want to go back to the beginning, sort of. And I want us to understand that God sent his son into the world. That was the big thing. This task of the salvation of mankind was so big, so critical, so detailed, so difficult that it required no one less than the very Son of God to make it a reality. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the Son of Man revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. 
Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with a great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Who is this one that God sent into the world? The Son of God, the Isaiah says, the suffering servant, the one who was unknown and yet rose up in order to bear the sins of all on the cross, not bearing his own shame, not having committed sin, but carrying that sin of ours, my sin, your sin, on the cross and sacrifice to God as the Lamb of God who is only able to take away the sin of the world. When John described this one sent into the world, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 14, he says that that very same word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When the apostle Paul talked about the desire that he had to be in fellowship with the Philippian brethren. He just laid it out exactly how he saw the relationship that we should have with one another as it was already seen in the character of Jesus himself. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You say, well, there's an awful lot of emphasis there on Jesus, but what about all those who came before, who sat down their lives, the prophets who spoke concerning the power of God and were unveiling the plan of God? But even the Hebrews writer says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. God has spoken. How did he speak? He spoke through his son. What enabled that? God sent his son into this world. And his coming into this world was not arbitrary. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, we find out that in the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent him at exactly the right and the most opportune time. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, kind of right there in the midst of the accusations that are about to be laid against the nation of Israel. Yeah, Jesus came. He was the Messiah. But look what you've done. Uh, that aside, Acts 2 verse 23, it was according to the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God that these things occurred. It was according to God's plan. In Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 7, it says that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to the good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might bring together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. That makes sense because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Think about that. All of the authority in heaven and on earth. Oh, now with all this authority, what should I say? End world hunger? Uh, have peace on earth? No, be baptized. Make disciples. That's the primary task. God sent his son into the world because Ephesians 2.12, without Christ, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. Listen, having no hope and without God in the world. Without God having sent Jesus to save us, no hope, no hope. Okay, so God sent his son into the world. What did he find? <laughs> the world was full 
of sinners. That text that we read a moment ago from John chapter 1, he was life and the life was the light of the world. But the light was shining, he says, in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. In other words, here comes the light of salvation and the package of the Son of God. But the world was in such absolute darkness that it couldn't even comprehend the light that was right there in its presence. And you know what happened. Eventually that darkness It put Jesus up there on the cross. Ironically, though, for that darkness, it was that very act that resulted in the death of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that shed His blood, that made possible the awakening of so many, including so many of us here today. So Jesus' focus on his responsibility to save people was razor sharp. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13, Jesus said that he did not come to call the righteous, razor focus, but sinners to repentance. In Luke chapter 19, an interesting story beginning at verse 2. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when he came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, They all complained, saying, he's going to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him, salvation has come to this man's house because he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that was what, that which was lost. I did not come to seek the righteous. I came to seek those who are sinners. The righteous, quote unquote, just put quotes around that. The righteous are those who are yet in blindness, who think they're just fine. And there they were in Jesus's audience when he was speaking with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is one who is seeking redemption. He wants salvation. He's a tax collector. He's a sinner. Lord, help me. He climbs up into this tree in order to see Jesus. And when he reveals himself, they, you know, they transcend time transcend society. They are always present. They who, because of their self-righteousness, look down their nose at those who are sinners and say that they are not worthy. Jesus said, that is completely the opposite of what I came for. I did not come to correct necessarily those with their long noses and their self-righteousness. That's going to take a lot more work and time. I have come to save sinners. I have come to bring people to Jesus, not to bring them and then to leave them as though they were stranded on a desert island. I have come to rectify the situation, to bring back together God and His ultimate creation, to bring glory to God again. And so... 
Jesus says in John 10 and verse 10, here's the truth about it. The thief, he doesn't come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I have come to do that. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 identified that it was the name of Jesus that was going to be exalted. And according to Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, God sent His Son into the world. No doubt about that. And then when His Son got here into the world, it was filled with sinners. But let's get real again. I am a sinner. The chief of sinners. I heard him say that in the text. You heard me say it about myself. What does it mean to be the chief? (laughs) I've been conditioned to think that being the chief is a good thing. Right? The chief executive officer. That's the, that's the big guy in the company. That's a good job. The chief of police, he's the one that's got the, the big office. He, he's the one that answers all the questions that, you know, the officers have. He's where the buck stops. He's the big guy. That's a great position. The fire chief, you know, he's, he's again the person with the responsibility, the authority. That's a good thing. I've been in villages in places far off from here where the same idea was held. They referred to the top person in their community with one form or another indicating that he is the chief. He's the top. So, if a person is the chief, of sinners. That means he is the number one sinner. Wait, wait. In this text we're talking about the Apostle Paul, Ken. The Apostle Paul. If I were going to talk about the Apostle Paul, I'd say, yeah, he's the chief, all right. He is the chief apostle. But Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, I am the least of the apostles and not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I am not worthy of that. And so we give him a little wink, right? Humble and all that, Paul. Sure, okay, gotcha. But as far as I'm concerned, all this stuff you've done for the cause, man, you are like number one Christian, so you've got to be like the chief disciple, sure enough. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, I am less than the least of all saints. Not just the bottom, I'm below the bottom. I'm less than whoever's least.
surely, surely that's hyperbole. He's just speaking over the top. Weren't there greater sinners than the Apostle Paul? I'm just, you know, off the top of my head thinking about everybody who opposed him or tried to stop him as he was going about preaching the gospel. All those people who put the stripes on his back or beat him or even stoned him. Those folks surely are worse sinners. And I could go throughout history thinking about terrible sinners. Paul, surely you didn't have in mind somebody like Hitler who is responsible for the death of millions or Stalin for millions more. Surely you're not taking that into account. But right there, I think, is where our problem is. Paul was not comparing himself to anybody else. Paul was looking at his Savior and saying, in comparison to Jesus, I am the chief of sinners. The problem that we have is we don't grasp the enormity, the seriousness of our own sin. Because what we tend to do is compare our sin to somebody else's sin. We say, yeah, yeah, you know, I I agree, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm not a sinner like so-and-so. I didn't do that. At least I don't have that on my resume. That is a wrong attitude altogether. Because a sin is a sin is a sin. If I sin, I'm separated from God. It doesn't matter how my sin compares to anybody else. I, listen to me, I'm separated from God. I'm subject to eternal damnation. And if I have this sin, then you better believe it. I am the chief. There is no one in comparison to me that is any worse Because sin is sin and sin, and sin will condemn my soul. So if I have sin outstanding, then I'm going to be lost. I am the chief. I'm at the top. When the Apostle Paul looked at Jesus, he saw Christ's perfection, but he saw his own flaws. When he looked at Jesus, the Son of God, He saw his purity, but he also saw his own shame. When he looked at the Son of God, he saw his kindness toward others, but when he looked at himself, he saw saw his anger and, and frustration with others. When he looked at the Savior, He only saw his lost condition. When he looked at the one who had died for him, all he could see was himself alone, the chief of sinners. You may be a chief of sinners. 
you may stand before God lost because of your sin. But just as much as you may identify with the chief of sinners, he is also the God of all grace. And the God of all grace can take any sinner, the chief of sinner, and turn him into a child of God. Is there someone here today who identifies that way? Lost in sin, in trouble with sin, separated from God. Today gives you an opportunity to enjoy the transformative power of the gospel. If you believe he's the son of God, act on that knowledge. I mean, that is powerful. God raised him from the dead. If you believe it, confess it. Repent of your sins. Leave behind the very thing that is soiling you spiritually and be put to death in baptism. Rise in newness of life. Freed from sin, a child of God. If you're already a child of God, but sin has tried to recapture you, you feel enslaved again, today is the day to do as the Rotans have done, to acknowledge your mistakes, ask for forgiveness. We will pray about that, and we can all walk out of here. Children of God, freed from the sin that has beset us. If there's anyone here today, even the chief of sinners, who needs to respond to the Lord's invitation, now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. Hear the blessed Savior calling the oppressed. Oh, ye heavy laden, come to me and rest. Come no longer tarry, I'm your local bear. Bring me every burden, bring me every care. Come unto me.
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my soul unto thee, O Lord? Do I lift up my soul?
forward Lord's Supper this morning, we'll be singing Thomas' song. <clears throat>
Matthew 26, Jesus met with the twelve apostles before his crucifixion and instituted the Lord's Supper. And he said, Off as you do this, you do show the Lord death till he come back again. In Acts 20 and 7, we read with the, the church met together. One of the parts of worship take the Lord's Supper. And now let's just offer thanks for the loaf as we do this. Our Father in heaven, we give thee our thanks for this bread, which thus represents Christ as he hung on that cross. We pray, Father, that we look back on that and partake of this in a way that it will be acceptable in his sight. In Christ's name, amen. I actually thank for the bread. He also give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Let's bow and give thanks for it. Our Father in heaven, we also give thee a thank for this cup, which just represents the blood that he shed there on that cross. We pray, Father, that we'll look back on this and remember us and, and the way we do it be pleasing in our sight. In Christ's name, amen. Let us bow. Our Heavenly Father, we once more come and we thank you for this great privilege of being able to worship you here this day. We thank you for all material blessings that we have been blessed with and we thank you for this great opportunity to be able to give some of it back into you and as always be with us and that we will do it in a way that is pleasing unto you. We ask you to be with our elders as they from time to time make decisions on how to disperse these funds and that we will be able to make the best possible use of it. And for this we ask in Christ's name, amen.
Before uh, Michael gives us the real announcements, uh, I just want to say, give a couple of youth announcements. Tonight, we're going to go to Singing in the Park in Alabama. I know half of us just got back. We're, we want to go back. So we're going back tonight. We're going to leave the church building at 3 o'clock. We're going to go to church over there and eat some supper and then come back after, church, after Singing in the Park. We're going to try to dodge some rain. Um, and then also, uh, just to elaborate a little bit on what happened last week at Maywood, uh, along with Andrew, uh, Mackenzie Floyd was baptized. It's in the bulletin. And uh, Anderson Long had a, uh, rededicated his life to Christ. And on Friday night, Seth Stacks, that we, like, we love so much, um, he also rededicated, rededicated his life to Christ. Um, I think there was overall there were 16 baptisms and five public rededications last week. And we excited for that. Um, his Dalton Sachs brother won Christian Leadership Award. So we all need to pray and congratulate the ones that um, were baptized in rededication and, and uh, Dalton. Also, uh, I want to say, if you didn't get to come over last week and visit the camp and visit and see how important church camps are to teens, I pray that you go Stevens Week. He, it's going to be just as great or go visit Mid-South if they let you. It's a big deal to these teens, as you can tell, all the ones that's up here. It's a big deal. So let's uh, pray, pray for camps. We had 295 in worship this morning. Um, if you would like your picture made for our new church directory, uh, please come to the front if your last name begins, begins with M and ends with Z. So please do that. Come to the front of the auditorium following worship. All those that are going to Horizons and one parent are asked to meet in the little chapel this morning following worship. Uh, Landmark Nursing Home devotionals at four. Zion Rest is in charge. There's a couple Golden Circle announcements. Uh, Golden Circle breakfast tomorrow at the pit stop, uh, leaving here, leaving the annex at 8.30. And then there's also a Golden Circle boat trip July the 7th. Check the sheet in the foyer and the details and the availability. And also don't forget, uh, Horizon uh, campers will be assembling some back-to-school packets. All the items that they need are uh, on the bulletin list. And don't forget to bring those and place them in the blue barrel in the foyer by tonight. Freed Hardeman is also having an annual, the annual salad luncheon this Friday, June 30th from 11 to 1. Tickets are available and just ask an associate uh, if you need one. And also don't forget the upcoming baby girl shower in honor of Laura Galloway is uh, Sunday, July 9th from 1.30 to 3 in the Annex. If there's anything else I missed, just please let us know. Let us go to God in prayer now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all these beautiful young people that made decisions for Christ, Lord. And please be with us as we continue to go throughout their journey with them, Lord, that we may gain things from them and they may gain things from us, Lord. Please be with us as we continue to go throughout this day and do everything to lead us and guide us and direct us into you, Lord. Do everything to keep us safe and to keep us strong in our faith, Lord. Please be with all of us as we continue to do the things that we do, Lord. Please be with our government. Please be with all the people around us to make us better, Lord, and to please help us be better in this dire situation that we live in, Lord. Forgive us where we fail you. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. <laughs> 